Welcome to the Love is Coming podcast, the must-listen show for single women struggling to attain or sustain a romantic relationship. I'm your host, Persia Lawson, author, speaker, and according to the Times Magazine, one of the UK's most successful love coaches. Before that, I was a serial cheat and obsessive love addict, but I'm now a bride-to-be and in the best relationship of my life. So, If you're trying to do the work on your love life, you are definitely in the right place. But here on the Love Is Coming podcast, we serve your education with a side of entertainment. Expect serious stuff talked about not so seriously, solo Agnian episodes with yours truly, and guest episodes showcasing some of the best in the biz in ways you've never seen them before. So, got a dating dilemma? Swiping right but haven't yet found Mr. Right? then let's get raw, real, and a little bit inappropriate because love is coming for you, baby, in more ways than one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this very exciting episode of the Love Is Coming podcast. I'm here today with the gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous Ashley James. Ashley is a presenter, she's a DJ, she is a dating and empowering empowerment coach, and also, and this is really exciting, she is a mum-to-be. Ashley, how are you? Hi, I'm very good. Very pregnant, but very happy. Very good. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an honour. How far gone are you? Uh, so I'm eight months, but who knew that we're actually pregnant for 10 months? No one tells you that. I actually heard this from a pregnant friend the other day. Like, what's that about? How the hell did that slip through? Like, why do they say nine months yeah. when it's actually 10? I think because they count your start date from the day of your of your last period as opposed to from conception so it kind of yeah I'm not really sure how it works but yeah I'm eight months pregnant so about eight weeks ago so right. your due date's the beginning of January you said before oh my gosh yeah. this is so exciting this is so, yeah, I can't hope but he's due the third of January but I'm really hoping that he's a new year baby just because I feel like 2020 has been so I don't know, a year of growth, let's say that. How nice is it that for a new beginning, it's like a new year, new beginning, plus having a birthday on New Year's Eve, I think is quite cool. I do as well. What you don't want, my dad's the 2nd of January, which is a humdinger, and my brother is Boxing Day, which is also a humdinger. But actually New Year's Eve, because everyone's out celebrating and it's always going to be fun. Yeah, even New Year's Day, because then you get to midnight and you're like, happy birthday. Yeah, that's true. Um, That's true. Yeah, you will spend the second half of it hungover. (laughs) <laughs> but at least you have like the good night time exactly exactly and always a day off work <laughs> yeah that's a, that's true as well so there are so many things like we've already been chatting for like a good hour before we've even started recording and I kind of wish we press record earlier yeah. we have there's just so many things that like I've been following you for ages actually do you know what I remember when I first met you was back in I just got back from Bali. I'd just been traveling with um, my now fiance, Joe, for six months. And I came with our mutual friend, Mel, to your birthday party. It must have been like March, April 2018. And I met you there. And then, oh God, and then where did I meet you again? I can't remember. But we've got quite a few friends in common. And like, what's been so interesting about you is like your your life has changed a lot in the last well, the last year, really. So I'm really going to enjoy this little first segment, which I call 60 Second Summary. So what I want you to do, my love, like, please tell me if I don't explain this very well, because I notoriously don't explain it very well. So I want you to summarize your love story from sort of 
birth slash teenage years or whenever from then until now, until where you are today in 60 seconds. And I'll give you a warning at 30. Does so that make sense? story, do you mean my romantic relationships? Or yeah. Love yeah. Story? Well, yeah, kind of, you can take that as with yourself. You can take that as romantic. I think probably would be quite interesting to do romantic for you because there's like so much has happened, particularly yeah. recently. So are you ready? I'm ready. Five, four, three, two, one, go. So when I was born... I always craved love like that's from as young as I can remember I craved love and physical affection so at 14 when I discovered boys and they discovered me I had this like crazy what is now just purely toxic relationship and I felt like elated so I was a total love addict I saw love as a drug and drugs are obviously not healthy (laughs) Uh, so it took me a lot of self-love and self-worth and terrible relationships to meet someone a year ago who is now my soulmate and baby daddy oh my god you did it with 20 well 22 seconds to go you bloody nailed that I thought you said 10 seconds I only had 10 seconds left so that's why I was like oh I'm just gonna brush over 30 well, no, but you just did that so perfectly. Oh my God. Okay, so right, let's back up for a moment. I've, I've literally just taken notes on the shittiest little post-it note. You can <laughs> barely read them. Okay, so you started by saying that you craved love at a young age, like, well, from when you were born. What Can you tell us a bit more about like what that was or any memories that you have of even before being a teenager and discovering boys? So my earliest memories, I must have been around four, five, that sort of age, And I used to, um, it sounds so awful, but I've done a lot of work and I know about love languages and everyone has their own different ways of showing love. But I remember I would try and hug my mom and she'd be like, get off me, I don't like cuddles. And I remember just being like, having all this love and it kind of taught me that to get attention, which is what I wanted, if I was naughty or if I misbehaved, that would give me the love and attention that I craved. So I used to lock myself in toilets, hide behind bins, run away, like anything I could do to get not just my mum's but also my dad's attention. That was how I started to basically see it love and attention which is obviously like a really terrible way to uh teach someone what love is so um I, bec- I was obsessed with Disney films you know that whole sort of like unrealistic love story that whole idea of being saving because I was like I can't wait for my prince to come along to the po- to the point this is how obsessed I was with it my mum used to hear me every night after bed like rummaging around so one day she came up turned on the lights and was like what on earth are you doing and I went I was like put my hands down over the duvet I was like nothing so she pulled back the duvet and I was in my party dress and so every night I used to take off my pajamas put on my party dress because she when she said why I said because I can't go to the ball in my pajamas or the prince won't pick me so that is how like that was you know such a young age I was so desperate for this like fairy tale love story and um, I think, you know, I was a scholarship child at boarding school. So they have to let a certain number of working class kids in. Mm-hmm. And I think that all kind of added to my feeling of being unloved because I was very aware of a young age that I didn't quite fit in. Mm-hmm. Like treated like the common riffraff at school. But then at home, my accent changed and I didn't quite fit in there. I was almost too posh. So I very much felt like I had to be somewhere else to be lovable. 
Mm, it's so interesting. Like, oh, I relate to you so much. Like, and I just want to say, like, I love how open you are um, because it's it's so important. Like, and it, it you know, it really it inspires me. But yeah, I really resonate with it. And I know so many women listening to this podcast will resonate with what you're sharing. And one of the things you talked about was so it was the link between love addiction and attention seeking. And I mean, that is literally why I became an actress. You know, anyone listening who knows my work knows that I grew up, my parents were drug addicts and, and I didn't understand what was going on for a long time. And so my way of um, getting that love and attention from a young age was, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be top in the class. Um, and if that doesn't work right. I'm going to, I'm going to act out. I'm going to be a drama queen. And it's like, oh, that's the top. so it was it was realizing like you said it's like when you discovered boys it's like it gave me these two things it gave me like escapism from like what was going on at home but it gave me validation it was like it was like such such a potent like like elixir for me and and just like my if I had to sum up my sort of the first 15 years of my romantic life it would be like fucking drama from one, like literally drama to drama to drama to drama. So tell us a bit more about like, so now you're 14, you've discovered boys. How did that then manifest with love addiction? Um, so I'll tell you very quickly my first love experience. So it was a guy with the same name as me called Ash. He was in the year above me and I was never like very cool at school. I wasn't very popular. And I think a lot of it came from not quite feeling like I fitted in. And um, I was also quite scared of the cool boys because I was at this really alpha sort of rugby school and they kind of, you know, they could destroy you in a minute. And they, it was also a very misogynistic school. So I was always quite afraid of them. And then it was on bonfire night when I was 14. Ash, who was the captain of football in the year above, started paying me attention. And I remember we had fireworks and he was like, I don't know. We Anyway, we ended up kissing. And I, it was so weird because I remember being like, I know you're a player. And he was like, I'm not. I'll prove it to you. And he proved it to me by kissing me, which, I mean, what does that prove? <laughs> <Right>. I'm sold. <laughs> yeah. You're not a player. Um, and all these kids started running around us with fireworks. So for years, I was like, that was, you know, that, that kind of Disney love that I was craving. But also I was like, wow, the cool boy likes me. Like, it kind of like gave me such a sense of like social status. Yeah. I think so my kind of early dating years, I really did not value myself and my own worth, but I kind of put it on dating who I was dating. So, you know, at school, it was like the captain of football in my twenties. It was, I don't know, famous men or successful men or CEOs or, you know, just, very powerful people because that made me feel like, well, look, I'm on his shoulder, I'm on mm. his arm, so therefore I'm powerful yeah. as well. Um, and yeah, it's so drama filled because I only knew attention seeking love. So I used to do mm. things like leave the club if he wasn't paying me enough attention. I'd leave the club and get myself into such a crying state because he wasn't mm. paying me attention. Then I'd get lost, so he'd have to come and find me. But I was angry with him, so I'd lock myself in a car, like you know, like all this mad stuff. But to me, that was love. And also because I put all my worth on someone else and on their worth, I I, I was so codependent. Like I, if they said they were going out with their friends, I'd be like, 
oh my god why don't they want me do they why can't I be there like do his friends not like me does he want to go meet other girls and so I, I just lived in this like crazy space of like being so you know I ditched my friends I didn't actually really care if I had girlfriends back then and I think I was also quite ironically from being in a very misogynistic school and being slut shamed it also made me very misogynistic and I very mm. much to be like the other girls and mm. um, so I basically only really had boyfriends and so it was only when I walked away from um like a really toxic one at 27 that I was like suddenly single but no one was that no one was there to like with open arms to catch me mm. like beforehand I just always had all these guys waiting for me and so that was when I guess that was like the very beginning of my single journey and my journey to single positivity Mm, which we're going to touch on a lot today and I have to ask like so you how old were you when you did Made in Chelsea? So I was actually 25 which sounds older but I was so new to that industry and that world so I actually felt very young because I mean I grew up in the Lake District (laughs) you know like well that was where my school was and I didn't really have like bitchiness or uh yeah, I, d- I don't know. It was a very, like, I felt very young and out of depth and very easy to manipulate. I was very easy to manipulate because I was, I was nice. And, you know, I really believed that being nice, I didn't realize that it was like lack of self-worth and boundaries. Of course, mm. I was nice and have those things, but I was the too nice girl. I wanted people to think that I was too nice. Um, did, so- did you find it super hard? Like, I mean, I know for me, like well my love life was such a fucking disaster particular and like my early 20s were like the real peak of that did did you find it really hard to have that put out there and to have you know to to kind of feel a little bit like well I guess largely like you know it's 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 a tv show at the end of the day so it's always going to be manipulated to to a degree do you know what it's weird because I guess a lot of like my lack of self-worth and you know needing to be with someone and like you said being an actress like it was part of my show off thing I was like look at me now look at me now so when mm-hmm. Chelsea came along it was like oh my god now I'll be famous and everyone will see how great I am and, and it was also something that I never really wanted before but when it was presented to me um but also friends used to always say to me and to other people like oh my god Ashley's always got stories about her love life and I almost saw that as a compliment but what it basically said was Ashley's always a shit show like she's got good stories mm-hmm. but I almost took pride in like always having drama or always yeah. like oh my god well this happened to this there and this guy likes me but this person so when the reality tv shows came along I was almost like well I'm made for this because like mm-hmm. I would have drama in my love life and this mm-hmm. thing um but when it happened I found it so hard because I I'm also I've always been like an old soul and I've always craved real love. So even though I didn't know how to put myself out there to receive it, mm-hmm. it's always what I've wanted. Mm-hmm. When I was on that show, there was so much fakeness. And I mean, bear in mind, everyone was so young. So we all, were all kind of shit shows and manipulative. Mm-hmm. And, um, but some of them had been on the show longer than I had. I came on in series four. So they kind of knew how it worked and knew what yeah. I liked about them so they could play certain roles I guess where and it, I remember feeling um with Ollie who I dated who's still one of my best friends funny enough I went to his wedding the other week um 
he would say things on camera and I'd be like, oh, thank God that I'm on camera because actually if we weren't in this show, I'd probably not have the courage to ask these things, but we're being kind of made to ask them by producers. And then after we'd stop filming, he'd be like, by the way, I, I just said that for camera. So I remember being like, I don't know what's real anymore. Mm. Like, like we'd had this great heart to heart and then he'd tell me that he just said it for camera. It was just like a really mm. confusing time and it was actually just a really toxic environment and I'm always really cautious what I say about it because it's obviously yeah, like an amazing show in terms of entertainment and reality TV and it's obviously opened so many doors for me. But as far as like my personal experience and my personal journey, it was like it kind of run me down to the worst place that I've been in my life. Mm, God, I, I can imagine I would have been exactly the same. I really identified with what you were saying about like your identity becoming like, I'm the one with the ridiculous stories. Like the stories, I mean, I was reading through my first book um, the other day because I'm writing a new book and like fucking hell. I mean, I just, it, it feels like a different person. Like, I could never seem to run out of material because I'm like, oh yeah, that story and that story and that story. And it just like the way that my life is now, like it's just, um, it feels so foreign to me. It feels like another lifetime. But I, I see this a lot with women who um, write into me or, or that I coach that come and work with me as a client, that it's, it's how much our identity um, becomes uh, linked with what, what's going on in our romantic life. And even if it's shit and it's a disaster, we will identify as like, I'm always the single one. I'm always the one that gets ghosted. Like it becomes almost like a defense mechanism. Did you experience that? Yeah, definitely. And I also think I, I I'm going to be careful how I say this, but I'll say it bluntly and then I'll explain what I mean. I almost feel like I became a victim in heartbreak and misery because it was never to do with me and I'm saying it because I don't think that anyone should be cheated on or gaslighted or any of those things that person is obviously always wrong for doing those things but I look back and I was like not of course they did nobody should do it but I was attracting people that I wouldn't even like breathe in the wrong like I wouldn't even look there in their direction now but I was so I don't know it's like and yes I was always cheated on but I also always took them back so that they'd always continue to cheat on me whereas now it's like I I recognize that my past relationships as nice as some of them are they weren't healthy relationships and that's not to say because men are trash that was to say because I also had no self-worth I had no boundaries so I allowed all these terrible things to happen but then when they got worse and worse and worse the point that you know I was in emotionally abusive relationships or being cheated on it was still always poor me they're treating me bad and all I do is love them I give them so much and it's like I wish I could go back and be like stop giving them so much then (laughs) it doesn't work you're you're gonna keep giving and they're still not gonna give back to you which they've proven because they cheated on you so stop giving it stop yeah yeah um, if you're listening I really and you're in a in a similar position yourself and you identify as yeah I'm always the one that gets cheated on I'm always the one that gets messed over you and you need to hear that because I used to like, I to be honest I was the one that cheated I, I was addicted to it and it was a way because I was a, I was a total love avoidant but a love avoidant and a love addict is basically two sides of the same coin and so it was when like you talked about your rock bottom that came at 27 and like na- like obviously when you're going through it it's so horrific mine was uh was it I guess 26 when I had like I had my heart completely broken um my boyfriend at the time 
he cheated on me and I found out in a really awful way. And it was just, it, it was like all of the pain that I'd ever caused all of like all of these men and, and women in the past, because I'd been pinching boyfriends left, right and bloody center. It's like, I suddenly felt it. And I was like, I was so numb and I was projecting all the pain that I had unresolved from my childhood. I just put into all these other people. And, and I, like, I think a lot, honestly, actually like a large part of why I do what I do. It's like a living amends because of the, I've caused a lot of shit and a lot of pain. And, um, but I, you know, when I see women come to me and they're completely heartbroken, like sometimes suicidal, because I, I would never, I don't think I would have ever killed myself, but my God, did I like, like if there was one thing that could take me down, it was always romance. And so now when I look at these women who come to me, I'm like, heartbreak is the biggest gift if you are willing to open your mind and heart to that idea, because you need something that horrific to shake you up and to stop you doing it. So can you talk a bit more about your experience? So, you, you, you know, you've gone through all these patterns of being cheated on and allowing yourself to not be treated well and kind of your identity being wrapped up in all of that drama. What was the turning point for you? Because you are in such a different place now and your journey like, is so inspiring. So let's move to the sort of second half of your story now. So I think this is why I'm so passionate now about being positive single because when I first came out of that relationship I was like oh, I'm 27 I'm you know maybe I should stay in it because I'm old now like it's mad looking back like you know 27 and if you're in your 20s and even if you're in your 30s like we're so young like imagine thinking that you need to stay with one person at 27 until you're what you're 80 like what you're just going to sacrifice more of your life than you've lived to be with the wrong person so that you can fit into society so um when I came out of that relationship I was so broken I felt like such a failure and it also coincided with this kind of like really sexy image of my own fame that I was on the front I was the GQ used to do women of the hottest women of the week and it was like a global thing so you know there'd be like Gigi Hadid and all these like superstars and, and I'd always be in the top 10 hottest women of the week so I was I remember thinking what's wrong with me I'm obviously hot even though I didn't like when I say that I don't mean to sound arrogant because I didn't feel it or believe it I had no self-worth but I, I almost was like pinning myself to that there's evidence here yeah yeah look I'm if I'm so hot why do guys treat me badly what am I doing wrong why am I a failure and then on top of that you have every person in the world asking you why you're single or how can someone like you be single why has no one snapped you up yet and go to weddings and you know no matter how much success I achieved in my career it would always come down to my love life and I it actually made me quite bitter for a while so then I became like very anti-men and anti-relationships um and but I kept attracted like deep down I kept basically hoping maybe I remember even like every new year or every time I made a wish when I blew out a candle or whatever like if you know any time there was a possibility to make a wish I'd be like I hope I, meet, I hope I meet the one and then another year would go by as I was single for six years another year would go by and I'd be like I can't believe it's been another 365 days and nobody loves me yet mm -hmm. what am I doing wrong what am I doing wrong and it, I just got into such an awful space with guys like like I when I say like I used to think that I was like picky but it would be almost any guy that would pay me attention because I needed it and I also craved like authenticity and realness and because I was in this like showbiz world 
anyone that basically came along and gave me attention who usually were also in that world I was like oh finally something real mm. but it wasn't real they just <laughs> they just wanted what they wanted and I was too scared to even have like to communicate with people because I didn't want to be crazy because I'd been gaslit so much in my past about not wanting to be like the other girls and not wanting to be crazy. Mm. my ex is crazy because she used to always do this but actually it kind of in a way made me crazy because rather than just communicating by the way that I don't tolerate that or I don't like it when you do that or the fact that you haven't you think it's acceptable to sleep with me and then not text me for a week but I didn't want to ever say it because I didn't want to be crazy but I basically let people walk all over me because for the sake of not being crazy so then I actually went solo traveling because I was like I know if I carry on like this I'll I'll kill myself essentially Mm. I, I, I was just like so low and I hated myself even being around guys because I was like, why can't I just speak up? And mm. it's like um, you keep giving yourself poison because I, I really was like, I don't want to, I don't want to harden up. I don't want to let the past dictate my future, or you know, I don't. But what what I didn't realize was that I had to be the one to change. It wasn't necessarily, and not I don't think in any way that anyone that gets treated badly deserves it. But I, instead of listening to my gut, I was like, no, no, I mistook, I mistook my gut for me wanting to change. And I was like, I don't want to change. I still want to be nice. I still want to be nice. I still want to be me. So I just ignored red flags. And it was only once I went traveling that I kind of like fell in love with life again and fell in love mm. with how good it felt to not have this like toxicity or this nervous energy because nobody was on the end of my phone and there was no men on the line and that's when I started to do things that I really loved and also I stopped feeling like nobody loves me because I met all these amazing friends and my life was so full of love I was just looking for it in strangers like there was so mm. much in my life so then I just had these like amazing years between 30 I'm now 33 so like 30 to 32 where I just lived this amazing life like all the crap that I used to buy for guys I didn't know I'd you know host dinner parties for all my girlfriends and take them on holiday and treated like girlfriends like you do a partner and I just had the best time and it kind of allowed me to love life but equally I don't agree with the phrase you find someone when when you're not looking because I actually realized that I wasn't looking so much to the extent I was like unless someone literally falls from a plane, lands alive in my patio and happens to be the love of my life, I have to actually start putting my energy into looking. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be interrupted on a, if I'm out with my friends, like I, I find that annoying. Like I I'm, not, yeah. I'm not going out being like, I hope, I hope perfect guy comes along tonight. I'd be like, I was completely with my friends. So that's when I went on a dating app and met Tommy, my boyfriend. How was it? When, like, how was your first date? Actually, I was set the scene. Where did you go for your first day? And were you nervous? Um, I wasn't nervous. So Tommy and I actually used to know each other because we both worked at Abercrombie like a decade before. So mm-hmm. I was very much like very, and not anti-dating apps, but I was always, I'd go on them kind of half-heartedly because I was like, well, how do you know you have a connection with someone? And also what if the love of your life thinks that you want to see a gym selfie and then you're going to see it and be like, oh, he's put a gym selfie. Like, no thanks. But actually, he might just be doing that because he thinks that's what someone wants. And he might yeah. actually not be that type of person at all. Yeah. So one of you just stressed me out. And I'm not a very good texter anyway. And I I really like to, like, invest all my energy into, like, 
friendships and family so I'd always find myself going on it and like chatting to a few people and then being like put my phone down and then like two months later being like oh god dating apps and then so I'd hate who I was because I'd suddenly go back onto the messages and be like oh hey sorry I'm not on the app much and I was like I would hate it if someone was doing this to me because you probably think that they've gone and start seeing someone and yeah not being interested so anyway when I eventually saw Tommy it was more like oh my god I know you like you know we used to bump into each other at festivals and things and yeah he was always in a relationship so that's when we start chatting um and he came to meet me on like a Sunday I'd been for a roast at my friend Lila's house and um he came to meet me and he was like, oh, I thought we could go for a roast. And I didn't want to say I've just had one. So I actually went for another. Do a vicar of Dibley. And I, it sounds so weird, but at the time I didn't actually know if it was a date or not because it was more that we'd like reconnected and yeah. catch up. And that's kind of how it felt right from the beginning, apart from he did kiss me on the first date. So I knew his intention after mm-hmm. the end of the date, but it very much just kind of felt like catching up with an old friend. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like, did it feel just very relaxed and just, did you feel like you could be yourself? Like what was different about it with him compared to other guys? I was different because I knew myself and because I knew my value. And I don't mean that to say like, I knew that I was such a catch and I was so Mm. great that he'd be a fool not to want me. It was more that I wasn't afraid of the outcome because I knew I was on my own. So if he said something I didn't like, I'd be like, oh, what do you mean by that? I don't like that you said that because in the past I would have been like oh I better not say that because then he might not like me mm. I remember sometimes I like when I really liked someone I was like I wish they could just tell me what they wanted so I could be it like <laughs> do you know what I mean when I was with him, I was very much like I'm very happy on my own so I'm happy to communicate how I feel or what I like or what I don't like and to be myself without the fear that he might not like who I am because I was like mm-hmm. so I think it was that I was different but of course that he was different in that he's like everything that I hope for but I you know it's not like that Disney fairy tale because it's not it's not I I was looking for something real and he was just like real and genuine and funny and I used to always think like I really wanted someone as like kind and caring as my dad but I thought oh well maybe men don't exist like that anymore Mm. that was like their different generation and don't get me wrong like my mum does all my dad's ironing, so I'm not looking for my dad because I'm certainly doing no man's ironing. But there is like the qualities that my dad possessed that I loved that um, Tommy had. But it was also like the calmness. Like there was no, there was no like, is he going to text me back? Oh my God, what if he doesn't text me back? And I think it, you know, it was part him and part me being in that space that I wasn't in trauma and panic mode yes. around it. Yeah, you were both in, and this is what so much of it is like, it timing and you both being ready you know um so you've had a very exciting year well we all have yeah the word exciting so what so you met him what when you met him last year so we actually went on our first date on the first of december um and we just went on all these like really fun dates and i think because neither of us were in panic mode about it like it's funny because i remember i'd cancelled on him one night because i wanted to finish building my tree 
And then the next time I saw him, he bought me this bauble and we're doing like early Christmas this year because I feel like we just need a bit of extra cheer. So I was going through all the baubles and I was like, oh my God, so weird. You bought me this last year and now you live with me and we're having a baby and we're decorating the tree together. And he was like, I can't believe you cancelled on me to decorate your tree. And I was like, and again, that's something that I would never have done in the past because I would have almost been like waiting. Even if I had plans, I would have been like, I'll cancel anything. I just want to see. Yeah, I think he very much realised that there was no I wasn't going to change who I was or change my social life for him and I think that made him respect me because I showed that I respected myself but also oh. no game playing there was no like oh well she's cancelled on me so therefore I'm going to cancel on her next time it was just very it was very open um yeah. but you it, know you were literally like the poster child for what I say to clients of like you have got and that's why being single is so bloody amazing because you get to have that time to get to know yourself to do the deep healing work like there is healing work to be done that you can only do when you're single and there's other healing work that you can only do I think when you're in a relationship it's like different types of of stuff different types of um yeah stuff to be worked through um but until you were in that place where you've really cultivated genuine sense of self-worth and you have cultivated a really exciting and vibrant life for yourself so and I always say this it's like the the and you know what my friend actually she like when we were 16 she wrote this in her diary and apparently I'd said it and I don't know I must have read it in some magazine because it was not how I was living my life then but when I met Joe it was how I was living my life and I said like the guy should be the cherry on top of your life not the foundations because like you've talked about like I always they were the be all and end all I would fit in everything around so when does the guy want to see me okay I'm going to fit in my friends and everything else around that whereas now but even now till this day it's like it's not that I give Joe the leftovers at all but we both have really full lives apart from each other I was saying to you before he's currently on the Isle of Wight he's there um, he's been doing a big film job over there and I was over there for a bit, but I've, you know, we've had like three weeks to a month away, like all in one go. And, 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 you know, we're, we're getting married and, and for us, it's like having that space. And I've watched my parents do that. Having that space is so important. And I love, um, there's, a, I don't know if you know, Carl Hill Gibran, he wrote this book called The Prophet and it's amazing. And he talks about marriage and he says, you know, in a marriage, you should be like the pillars of the temple. You know, you're standing not too close, not too far apart. You're holding up the structure, you know, and he says like, let let the love between you be like a moving sea between the shores of your soul. It's so beautiful. And I think that's what I can hear with what you're saying. What is different about this relationship is that you are still you and you still have your own thing going on and you're independent and he's got his own thing going on. But you, And then you come together and it's like, that's why there's no anxiety because you're not relying on that person to validate you and to give you everything. And I think as well, it's so important to say, because, you know, it used to drive me mad in a way, like as much as I love being single and I say I'm single positive, I was also, I just want to make clear, really looking forward to meeting someone. So when, when I say single positive, it doesn't mean that you should be, I love being single so much that I don't want a guy. Like, of course, like most of us want love. Like it's very unusual for us not to want love. Mm -hmm. It's kind of um, being like, but it will come when it will come. And I can't force it to happen. And I certainly can't force it to happen with emotionally unavailable people. Yeah. Just stop texting them now. Because (laughs) you're wasting your time. 
And it's not about you. It's about them. So that I, I mean, I, I think every single woman I've ever met has that thing of like, I want to take a bad boy and I want to be the one to change him. Like that was, it was an obsession because you want to be the special one. Yeah. And it's a fucking, like, of course that that just doesn't work. And that's you just feel so stressed out. That's the thing that really annoyed me about the film, He's Just Not That Into You, because it is actually a really great eye-opening film. But then he is into her at the end. So it's like, yeah. So then even by the end, you're like, oh, she is the exception. Yeah, I know. It doesn't, that, that, that was the thing that I agree. I was like, it was so good. There isn't an exception because you shouldn't have to trick or force a bad guy to liking you. Like a hundred percent. If you have to perform or manipulate, literally you are wasting your time because it's always going to have a shelf life because you can only do that for so long. And also I used to be like, oh, well, I'll stick around because I want them to know how much I like. I want them to know how much I like them. They know. That's why they're treating you like shit. <laughs> they know they can keep being shit and get away with it because you like them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so here you are now. You're at your gorgeous flat. By the way, I'm obsessed with your flat. Like I always just every now and then have a stalk of your highlights on your Instagram. <laughs> like look at your patio. I'm like, my God, I love it. It's so cool. So you're there with your man and you're pregnant. Um uh, are we allowed to say the gender? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so it's a little boy. Have you got any baby names? Yeah, we actually have had it right from the beginning. Really? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, like keeping it a secret. Not like, so our friends and family know, but it's hard because obviously sometimes I go on Instagram and I'm so used to referring to him as his name. Yeah. But I don't want to make it public because we might change our minds. Yeah, it's exactly. It's nice just to have that between you, especially when yeah. I overshare every part of my life. So <laughs> I can wait for the name. Um, but... Yeah, it's funny. So I'm actually due on the 3rd of January and we became officially boyfriend and girlfriend on the 1st of January. So it's almost five days. And what I think is really interesting is that a lot of people and especially the press refer to it as my whirlwind romance mm-hmm. and from the outside. And if I was 22 or even if I'd have been 27 in the space that I was in, it 100% would have been whirlwind because you know, I didn't know myself and my boundaries and my values and all of those things, but it actually feels, I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's been really quick. Like life has changed so much Mm. in 65 days and not just because of the global pandemic, but it feels very like calm, like calmer than any of the other relationships. And I used to really pride myself on the fact that I had a six year relationship when I was younger, but it's like, I'm more like closer and intimate and healthier with this guy in a year than I was with that old guy for seven years yeah Um, and I think I think that um actually what we can't ignore is the fact of how long you were by yourself and working on yourself before you met him so that when you met him it's like your souls recognized each other and it was easy and so those like I think that I think that, you know, timing is just timing and you have to take every case individually. I, I knew, like for me, my, my pattern was literally get out of a relationship and either the next one was lined up and I was straight in that or, and this is when I was really proud of myself, Ashley. I'd be like, oh, I've done three whole months. Like now I'm ready. <laughs> no, you're not. You're going to carry all of that baggage into the new relationship. But when, you know, when I met Joe. I'd been single for over a year and a half. He'd been single for a couple of years. And so we went in for the first time, which now it doesn't even sound that long, but at the time it felt like it's, I'd never been single that long in my life. And and there were like periods um, during that year and a half of like two separate periods of four months at a time where I didn't get so much as a text 
I didn't get a text from a guy. I was living with my parents because I was building this like positive lifestyle movement and I had no money because I'd just given up acting. And, and, and that was really good because I was like, I have to find the validation from inside myself. So when Joe came along, it was the first time that I was like, I was really ready, you know? And then I was, and then I freaked out because I was, I just, I'd never started anything so healthily. We talked a bit about this before. Like it, it was really scary. It's so funny because, um, I did something with Tommy that I actually was too scared to do in previous, I don't want to say relationships because they never ended up turning into relationships, but I used to be scared to have the chat, which, so I'd end up like being with these people and like, especially when, if if a guy is putting his penis in your vagina, you're entitled to know if that penis is going in other people's I I could not agree more. Um, (laughs) I would be like too scared because I would be like, oh, I don't want to ruin it or I don't want to risk scaring them off. Like it it shouldn't scare someone off. And also like we are entitled to know, like even from a sexual health perspective, what is going on. But with Tommy, pretty much from like a few dates in, I was like, so what's your deal? Are you like he he'd been I think he'd broken up with his girlfriend for about a year and a half but for me that because I'd been single so long that felt very short so I was like are you ready for something new like are you dating other people but I wasn't doing it in a are you dating other people because like you know it wasn't I, I, I just needed to know and then I think after about two or three weeks I was like um yeah he's my boyfriend and he kept being like I'm not your boyfriend I was like well you are my you are my boyfriend so if I'm not your girlfriend you know that's up to you but you're my boyfriend and I was like are you seeing anyone else <laughs> so we had this like whole little thing but he actually says now that's what he liked because he was like bloody hell like most people don't come out with it like that but you just owned it yeah and I was like well you are my you actually are my boyfriend like I was like if you're seeing anyone else then this isn't going to continue so are you my boyfriend or are you my girlfriend but it but it, it, obviously it, the signs had to be there if I'd have been saying yeah. that to someone where it wasn't the right time then of course that would be a bit weird but um so he asked me on new year's eve to be his um girlfriend but i got the ick in i think in about february but i knew how much i loved him and i knew i wanted it to work but i think because a lot of like my i even my identity was around being single i was like oh my god like I'm the single one and like that's what i talk about and i'm gonna let people down if i'm in a relationship and I never like he's around all the time and what like it was just a lot like it was almost like I processed everything later and so I actually like we went for dinner in Soho House and I actually pretty much said to him like I've got the ick but the reason I felt it was important to say it is because I felt myself pulling back and the more I pulled back the more he was like coming towards me and I I remember thinking I'm gonna fuck this up if I don't communicate how I feel so I basically said look I don't know if I said the term the ick, but I was like, I just feel like it's a lot. And he was obviously like a bit confused because he was like, you were the one that was like forcing this relationship or whatever. But he was really good. And he was like, look, like you feel, you know, you feel how you feel. I can't force you to like me. Like you do you. And like, hopefully you'll realize or whatever. I can't remember where exactly the, the conversation. So he just kind of like left and went about his business and didn't message me or beg or, you know, it wasn't like, he actually said, thank God you said this to me because I felt like I wasn't being myself because I was worried that there was something mm. wrong. So I was coming towards you and I hated myself for doing it because that's not who I am. Mm. So then after like four or five days of not hearing from him, I was a bit like, 
what is this? What have I done? And then it kind of made me be like, feel calm again. I think I just needed to get it off my chest that I was mm. like, freaking out a bit. And then it's been great ever since. And the pandemic happened and we moved in together. Well, there you go. But the thing that I love that you brought this up, because this is the one thing that doesn't get talked about that much, but without a shadow of a doubt, every single client I've ever had, when they go on to attract that relationship where like everything you said and that I've experienced with Joe as well is like so easy. There was, it was like, there was a like friend, obviously there was attraction, but it just felt like hanging out with your mate, which by the way is exactly what you want it to feel like. And because it's so easy, which is so foreign to when you've been used to the drama, like you and I were Ashley, um, like I remember at the beginning with Joe, it's like my ego started freaking out because it was like, yeah, this is this actually could be commitment and real love. And so I started as yeah, the ick. I like I was it's like I started to become fixated. I was make I was creating problems in my mind, like just create like completely making up bullshit because I was so afraid of like really commitment. And, and I see this all the time. And, and a lot of women then I think justify and go, oh no, I'm just not that into him. And it's, and it's really, it's like, no, it's resistance. And you've just got to sit with that and, and communicate it in, in a loving way to them. Like, and just say, look, a lot of stuff's coming up for me because, you know, I, my relationship patterns in the past have felt like there's been quite a lot of drama or like, you know, and I've really done a lot of work on it, but just please bear with me. Um, because sometimes I do see women like they, they cut it off and they just go, no, I'm just not into him. Um, and like we're like we're in the friend zone and it's sometimes you actually have to push past that point and then when you do like you've experienced like it's it's great but it, it just takes a, that little bit of time to adjust but then I also think in the other way like I've had the ick with people because I've generally had the ick and then, but I, I think sometimes especially like so I've got a friend who's single in her 30s and she'll sometimes like go for these guys who are so nice but there's no sexual chemistry or spark but she's like oh but you know, I'm older now and maybe I should be with a nice guy. And I'm like, you know that you can fancy, like it's not fuck boy or nice in a really mm-hmm. like, you know, there is someone out there that you're so sexually attracted to who mm-hmm. is also nice. Like you don't have, yeah, you, know, you can have, yeah, a hundred percent. But even, but my point is even with that, because I like from the, like the chemistry I had with Joe was like insane. And that's why it was so crazy to me. Cause I was like, I know I'm attracted to this guy. That's not the issue. And like, I'm literally making things up. Like he's the best looking guy I've been out with by far. I had a very interesting taste back in the day. <laughs> Hope none of them are listening. Um, I always went for the, the, the funny, most confident guy in the room, whatever they look like. <laughs> and, um, anyway, Joe, yeah, it, it wasn't, so it wasn't that it was like, I had the attraction, I had the chemistry, but I was just freaking out that like, oh God, this could actually work. So we're going to take a, I literally could talk to you all night. Um, We're going to take a slightly different um, angle energy here. We're moving into what I call the lightning round, inspired by that episode of Friends where they do the game show thing. So I'm going to ask questions um, quite fast. And I just want you to respond really quickly. Okay. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Biggest love lesson? Self-respect. Biggest dating disaster? Pooing on my ex's sofa. so I think it's karma oh my god that that has to win the dating disaster on this podcast so far that's bloody brilliant okay so would you rather bad boy or good guy good guy uh would you rather on a first date run into your ex or theirs Mm, either don't care (laughs) on a date drop a condom or a tampon tampon premature ejaculation or can't get it up 
Mm, premature ejaculation. Every single woman says the same. <laughs> so last, just so you know. Um, okay, so fart on the first date or queef the first time you have sex? Queef the first time you have sex. I mean, it's inevitable, isn't it? Most yeah, of the time. No shame there. And listen, we both have big boobs. And this is another thing that like, I always talk about and most girls look at me blankly. Do you ever get it when, and it always happened at the beginning, never seems to happen these days when I have sex, but like when you're having sex, it's like that an air suction gets created between your boob and there and it's like it's like yeah. so loud <laughs> glad I'm not the only one okay so this section is called breaking bad we've kind of talked a little bit about this so your most painful breakup how did you handle it then and how would you handle it differently now so what like how would you handle that breakup when you were 27 differently um I would stop contact sooner because you don't need to be right Mm. Mm. that's very good I want to hear a bit more about that what do you mean by that so he would be very I can't believe you did this and how dare you do that and apparently you went on like someone seen you out with this guy and then I'd feel like I had to defend myself and no you've got it wrong or you're being like this and you did this too and actually like a breakup is a breakup and two people have different perspectives of course they have different perspectives ultimately you're not right for each other and it doesn't you don't have to win there's no winning Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the more you reply the more they reply and it goes on and on and on and you keep in that kind of like cycle of anger and hatred and despair and if you just stop replying even if they carry on they will get bored eventually and it will make it a lot quicker 100% I always say and everyone hates it when I say this but it's the only way I know six months no contact you've got to get them out of the system and just just don't get involved because once you start that one-upmanship and it just gets so toxic and messy and it really doesn't you know favors okay I love this section boil that bunny okay so what is your biggest sort of bunny boiling moment, Ashley, from your past? What, what, like, what do you mean by bunny boiling? So, okay, so in that film Fatal Attraction with Glenn Close, she, I think Michael Douglas is married and he has an affair with Glenn Close and then she turns into a psycho. So we talked a lot about oh, this, yeah. like, about the fear about becoming a psycho. So, you know, I had a client who called her ex 187 times in a row keying you know keying their car all of those sort of things have you done anything oh I've done, like I've done hundreds I'm just trying to think of um, <laughs> just trying to which one is the best um when I broke up with Ollie Locke I did turn up at his bedroom window unannounced I can say that's because he wasn't replying and I really wanted to like find out what was going on so and I, I didn't know if he'd be at home or not so I was like well if I go early I know he'll be in bed so I think I like literally turned up at his bedroom window at like six in the morning I thought that's quite weird and um, what did you do like hi I just want to talk to you <laughs> he's one of my like closest friends now so we're all good but looking back I'm like that is if imagine like if your ex turned up at your bedroom window it's like it's actually quite a terrifying thing like I yeah that's quite haunting um oh my god I've done so many I that's the like the one that I can think of which is pretty bad I love that I once had when I was at uni this guy that I was cheating on my boyfriend with 
basically got really obsessed with me. Got, got really obsessed with me. I always feel like a dick saying that. But he did um, because he br- he somehow found a way to break into my room when I was asleep. And I woke up with him just sitting, staring at me. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was in halls with him. And I was it was like a torrid affair. So I was like, I really, you know, got myself into bloody hot water in that situation. I can imagine. Like, do you know what? I remember another one. Like, when I was a teenager and my first boyfriend cheated on me, one of the many times, I... I was so like annoyed about it that I think I I drove to his where his parents lived, but I didn't know where he lived. So I literally was like driving around and walking around in the hope that he would see me so that we could bump into each other. Like for what? Mm-hmm. There's and then so what? many. I've done like the multi-text, but yeah, one of those two. Love it. Okay, so three biggest. So this is deal makers and deal breakers. So your three biggest turn ons and three biggest turn offs. Three biggest turn-ons are authenticity, honesty, and getting on with my dog. <laughs> Couple. Turn-offs. Um, and turn-offs, um, liars, very materialistic people, and jealousy. Okay, good. Jealousy is like one that comes up really often in that segment. Okay, so this is the Agony Aunt segment. So we've had a question written in by Samantha who says, I'm really panicking about being in another lockdown single. Help. Um, Have you got any words of wisdom? Well, I think the good is it's always about perspective. So you can't change that you're single in this lockdown. So how can it be a positive experience? You can watch anything you want on TV. Like there's no compromise on the TV. You can read any book and have baths and there's no one being like, have you finished in the bath yet? Because I need a shower. You can starfish in bed. And also this is one month. Like a month goes so quickly. It's dark outside. There's no winter wonderland. You know, there's like, it's just a month and you can do so much work on yourself and it, it's not forever. But also, like there are still dating apps. So if you are open to meeting the one, like it's a great time to build a connection where you can be excited to meet somebody if that person is on the app uh, when it's all over. Mm, I love that. I love that. So as we're coming into land for this episode, <laughs> this segment is called Name That Genital. Love because that. I just love hearing people's different names for them. What what have you always called a lady's bits and a boy's bits? Well, always and now are very different things. Um, so when I was, even in my 20s, I used to call them both thingies because I thought it was crass to say the words, which is like mad to me that I was in adult relationships calling them a thingy. Mm. And had you done that from like ever since you could remember? Not ever since I could remember. I think when I was younger... It was a willy, and I don't remember ever referring to vaginas. I don't think they were ever referred to. Which says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, and then, um, yeah, then it was thingies, because I thought it was really crass. And then um, now I just say them for, I don't, I just say vagina. Mm. But not in the bedroom. I wouldn't be like, touch my vagina. What do you say there? Touch my vagina. I don't really have a name for it. I just... I like, I don't know, I don't really refer to it. <laughs> we just kind of like talk and do it, but I wouldn't be like, lick my pussy or something. It's quite grand. Mm, mm. It's funny. I was talking to our friend Mel and she was saying how, yeah, like 
the word pussy is really going through a bit of a renaissance. I don't know if that's the right word. Pussy. Yeah, well, because it's it's always been, you know, if you think about it, guys will call a guy that they, you know, it's, it's a put down or you're such a pussy. Like, and actually I'm like, you know, I can't even remember where I heard this, but it's like, well, a vagina, like a vagina is, it births, it's able to birth a human being. It's so like, how strong is that? Whereas a penis, you like flick it and it like, <laughs> <laughs> and don't get me started on scrotums because they are fucking weird. <laughs> I like the word dick in the bedroom though, whereas I wouldn't refer to a dick outside of the bedroom mm, mm. what about cock no it's not no. for me american i find that word yeah and even like the way it's written i just a bit don't know <laughs> not for you, not for you. <laughs> <laughs> i love it so the way we're finishing this podcast episode is cock is not for ashley <laughs> <laughs> okay my love so before i ask you your final question where can everyone find you online? Uh, so the best place is Instagram because I live there basically, which is um, at Ashley Louise James. Wonderful. We will link that in, in the show notes for the episode as well. Okay, so final question. What is the number one piece of advice for the single women who are listening to this right now who have not yet met their person? Maybe they've been single for years. Um, and they're worried that they won't, particularly with everything that has gone on with Armageddon 2020. What would you say to them? I think just remember that it's not a race and it's not this like linear timeline. So don't feel like you're being left behind because the people that are in relationships now might find themselves for reasons totally out of their control single again. And um, I think, you know, what an amazing time to be single because you can you can read the books you want to read or plan your next travel. My cat's hungry, so she's going mad, uh, meowing. But yeah, just know that things aren't forever for anyone. So um, you're not left behind. It's not a negative thing. And also there are a lot of people out there who are also single. So it's not like you're the only one in the world and there's everyone else is married off. Like that's not the case. Like there is mm. someone out there who's probably feeling very similar to you because it is a very valid feeling. Like it's okay to feel lonely sometimes when you're single, especially in a pandemic. So um, just trust the process and keep working on yourself and thinking about what makes you happy and that person will find you. Mm beautiful what a way to end you've been such a fantastic guest um particular fun moment was you pooing on the ex's couch <laughs> i will not be forgetting that one in a hurry but on serious level like, thank you so much for being so open and honest like i've loved this episode so much me too i could just keep chatting i'd love i know i know thanks for listening everyone bye bye and that's a wrap Thank you so much for listening. I really do hope these episodes help you find dates that become mates and flings that become things with men who are ready, willing, and able to actually commit. Please be sure to like, share, subscribe, and leave me a review if you're getting value from these episodes. This helps the podcast rank higher so it can reach other people who want or need the support. To have your question answered, send it over to podcast at persialawson.com and we'll get to it ASAP. And if you want to learn how to court consciously during COVID and call in the healthy, happy relationship you desire and deserve, don't forget to download my free audio training called The Fastest Way to Meet Your Soulmate over at getyoursoulmate.com forward slash free training. The link is also in the show notes for this podcast episode. 
See you next week, gorgeous. I release a new episode every Tuesday. But until then, remember, love is coming for you. So surrender to the festival that is life on planet Earth and trust that what misses you was not meant for you and what's meant for you will not miss you, including your soulmate.